live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. It's amazing to me that we can all see the same thing, watch the, say, watch the same thing, but see something entirely different. I think most of us saw that for what that was. Like as an example, I have seen a ton of sloppy, messy, fugly, downright dumb basketball in my day. But I'm not sure that I've ever seen anything quite as sloppy, messy, fugly, and downright dumb basketball as the end of the Lakers' T-Dogs last night. Sorry, but none of y'all deserve to be called wolves. There's nothing wolf-like about what I saw from that team last night. There's no wolf in that. Only dog, and the wrong kind of dog. Not the good kind of dog, the bad kind of dog. Like, if you show up in crunch time of the biggest game of your season like that, you immediately get demoted. You have lost the right to be called T-Wolves, T-Dogs, T-Pups, or I don't know, just T-Ass. These dudes did not score a single field goal in the last six minutes of regulation. The last six minutes of regulation without a basket. It took the entire six minutes, though, for the Lakers to finally take the lead. LeBron against Edwards, the switch on defense, now on Prince. LeBron takes it in, kicks it out, Schroeder, So credit to Dennis. That was an enormous bucket. And it was absolutely the biggest bucket of the final two minutes because it was the only bucket of the final two minutes, a regulation. That was literally the only made field goal in the final two minutes for either team. There were lots of bricks, plenty of turnovers. Kyle Anderson dribbled it off his foot with 21 seconds left. The Lakers couldn't even inbound the ball. So plenty of total crap, but the only one made field goal came from Dennis the Menace. What a bargain, by the way. What an incredible bargain that guy is. In fact, he earned that entire 2.6 mil last night in the playing game. One year, $2.6 million contract. An amazing job there by Rob Lowe Palenka. Hey, remember when Rob Lowe Palenka offered that same dude 84 mil just over two years ago? And Dennis the Menace turned it down? Good job. Good decision, Dennis. And by good job, good decision, I mean absolutely brutal. But still not as brutal or as awful as the ending of that game last night. And we still haven't even gotten to the worst part. Because somehow this game ended up in overtime even after Dennis's three. Thanks to AD making one of the dumbest plays of all time. Anderson looks for the open man. It's a three. And it's a foul on Anthony Davis. Anthony contesting. Davis. A foul on Anthony Davis on the shot by Connolly. Find me a dumber play. I'll wait. AD seriously fouled the dude behind the three point line with exactly 0.1 left on the clock. Rudy Gobert and Jaden McDaniels cannot believe how idiotic that was. And no sooner than that happened, 
you look at Twitter, and the following items were all trending at the same time. Damn AD, trade AD, WTF AD, all trending at the same time on Twitter. So for the first time ever, Twitter was right because that was just that stupid. Quick, think of the dumbest thing you can think of. Think of the dumbest thing ever. And AD committing that foul in that situation was even dumber than that thought. An unbelievably dumb play. But then again, completely believable in the context of this unbelievably dumb game. So, what did that do? That put Mike Conley on the stripe for three attempts to tie. The first one was shaky and sweaty, as butt-clenched as all hell could be. But shout-out to Mike. Man, the vet. He got that first one to go down. Then he knocked in the next two, and that gave us free basketball. Normally, that's a good thing, right? Free basketball. Except that was the free basketball that absolutely nobody wanted. Normally, free hoops in a situation like this with a playoff spot in the balance is like the best thing ever. Except last night, free basketball was more like the worst thing ever. That was more like free torture. Just ask the T-Pups. Ask the T-Dogs. Ask the T-Ass. Nobody was looking forward to that overtime less than the T-Ass. Nobody wanted that game to be extended any less than the T-ass. So basically, because they didn't want to be there, and I'm sure they'll say, no, we wanted to. We just gassed out. No, you didn't. You obviously didn't want to be there. We saw the way you showed up or no-showed in OT. Never mind what you did in the final six minutes of regulation. You did not want to be there. Good job, good effort, final score. LA 108, Minnesota 102. A dub for the Lake Show, but a loss for everybody that had to sit through that crap fest. The last 10 or so minutes of that game set basketball back about 10 years or 10 decades. Anthony Edwards, and I do love the kid. I do. He's young. And I think that he's electric. But as much as I love him, he set basketball back decades himself last night. I mean, my dude, Ant, you got to show up on a night like that with something better than 3 for 17. This dude could not hit the rim from a foot away. I thought he was going to put a crack in the backboard. It was like he thought that he was auditioning for the Brick Show instead of trying to beat the Brick Show. I guess they call him Ant-Man because he comes up really small in big spots. Apparently, you can say the same, though, for all the T-Dogs. This stat can't even be real. I saw this in a column, and I could neither confirm nor deny it, but it just does not even seem real. I saw that that was the 19th game this season they've lost after holding a lead of 15 or more points. I'm going to say allegedly, because there's no way that's true. Reportedly. Can one of you nerds, statisticians, jump on that for me? They've lost 19 times this year with a 15-point or more lead? It seems shocking, but then again, totally unsurprising, given what we saw last night. See, what I saw last night in crunch time was a total and utter and complete mess. A team that has no idea how to finish. A team that has no idea how to close. I mean, these dudes made two baskets. And three free throws in the final 11 minutes of game time. Two made baskets in 11 minutes. And yes, 
I'll give the Lakers some credit for defensively getting it done. But two buckets in 11 minutes? And even then, despite all that, the Lakers barely squeak by, barely get it done, and nearly did lose and should have lost, really. Nearly blew it because of AD's, quote, brain fart. Not my phrase. You never, ever hear me utter the word fart. You know why? I'm over the age of nine. LeCap, though, called it a brain fart. LeCap was more than happy to put AD on blast immediately after the game because LeBron James is the LeBron James his teammates on blast. I've been playing a game like that since, uh, since I was a kid. I drew the defense, trust your teammates, and, uh, and he knocked it down. It's unfortunate that AD had a brain fart and messed his game winner up. He hears you. Uh, I messed his game winner up. I apologize. I definitely apologize. Dude, you are so lucky. Can you imagine if that had cost him that game? The heat this guy would be getting and how much that would have stuck to him and for how long? What a horrendous play. That that guy, for that guy to make that play in that situation, what a horrendous play. What a horrendous game. Play in? More like the play out game. Because who the hell seriously thinks that either of these teams deserve anything after that bleep show? And yet the Lakers are on to the playoffs. And somehow the Wolves actually get to play another game. Well, they have to play another game. They have to regroup and play another game. I'm sure they want to play that game even less than they want to play OT last night. They're probably all thinking about swinging on each other or the nearest concrete wall to get out of yet another game. They've got to be like, are you seriously telling us we have to play again Friday night? Like you seriously want us to ruin our Friday night and your Friday night by making us go out there and puke all over ourselves all over again and blow another double-digit lead. For real? For who? For what? Oh, and one more thing. Well, 10 more things, really. But one more thing. The last thing I need is for LeCap. And this is why he's LeCap. And I'll give this guy this. He was unbelievable last night. The guy really was. LeCap was incredible last night. How the hell this guy's still doing these things at 38? I have no idea. I have to give him that. LeCap was incredible. But he's still LeCap. And I'll tell you why that is. LeCap tried to tell me how good the T-Dogs are. Which is, of course, exactly the move he tried to pull after the game when LeCap went LeCap. LeCap is the LeCap of LeCaps. Listen to this. That's a good-ass team over there in Minnesota, no matter who they had in the lineup. That's a good-ass team over there? That's a good-ass team over there in Minnesota, no matter who they had in the lineup. LeCap, no, it's not. No, it is not. That's a good-ass team over there in Minnesota, no matter who they had in the lineup. That's a badass take. And I don't mean badass like cool. Just badass. That's an ass take is what that is. That's a horrible take. Not as bad as last season wasn't a failure at all, but still a terrible take. Unless you mean they're a good ass team. Like they're good at being total ass. You know, like a team that could blow a 15 or more point lead 19 times in one year. That's a good ass team over there. That's not a good ass team over there. 
All right? You're a seven seed, and they had you up by 15, and they lost. That's, That's the opposite of a good-ass team over there. Or they're good at being total ass. If LeFib meant either one of those things, then I'm with him. But we know he didn't. Like, he meant that. Well, that's a damn good team over there. Lose me with that take. Miss me with that take. Lose me with this idea. And this is really important. Lose me with this notion that that was some great night for the playing game. The hell it was. No, it was not. If you want to argue for the playing tournament... Your argument was how good the last two weeks of the regular season were. But do not tell me that was a great night and a great night for playing basketball, man. Do not put lipstick on that butt-ugly pig. Because that was some of the most hideous basketball that I've ever had to sit through. And I hope I never have to ever again. I hope I never have to ever again. But I know I will. And probably as soon as this evening. When there's more of that. NCAA play-in games are looking down at that play-in game. Was that the Lakers? Or was that Texas A&M CC? Maybe mix in some inbound drills during the next couple of days. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com match. Tyrese Maxey is my guest. Tyrese, it's great to have you on. How are you? I'm great. I'm glad. Thank you all for having me, man. How you doing? Oh, dude, I'm great. It's so good to have you on. Thanks for making time. Let me start by asking you this. Doc Rivers said yesterday, this is the best that he has felt about one of his Sixers teams heading into the postseason. This is now your third trip. How do you feel personally right now, and how do you feel about the group overall? No, I agree. I think the the main reason why I agree is because everybody's healthy, man. James healthy, Big Fella healthy, Tobias, uh, Tuck. Everybody's healthy, and I think uh, we know our roles on this team. Uh, and another thing, that, a reason I think uh, the reason why he said that is because uh, we've been through adversity this year. We started out one and four. Uh, we overcame that. We overcame a lot of injuries. Uh, James got hurt. I got hurt. Big Fella got hurt. Uh, we missed extended periods of time, and you know that that gave a lot of different guys confidence. And we know how deep we are now, and I would have to agree with him with that with that statement. Tyrese Maxey joining us. You mentioned the big fellow a couple of times, Joel Embiid. Now, he's been saying it for months, that they need you to be at your best for this team to go where it needs to go. That tells me how much he thinks of you. That tells me how much he expects from you. When the two of you chop it up together, what types of things does he tell you specifically? What's he encouraging you to do? I think the biggest thing, you know, at kind of midway through the year, he started telling me, it's like, man, you just need to go out there and be confident and play the game that you know how to play. Um, don't defer to anybody. I think that's one thing that I can really say I appreciate um, Joel and James for. They have exerted this uh, confidence in me, and uh, I put the work in, so I have that confidence in, in myself as well. But when those two have that confidence in you to go out there and be yourself and uh, be able to play your game freely and, and, and you know, play without mistakes and do, do whatever you have to do, um, it just elevates your game to another level. I mean, imagine two Hall of Famers uh, always on you, telling you to be uh, more aggressive and not defer to them. Uh, it's just going to push your game over the top. 
Not only that, Tyrese, but you're right. You have put the work in. Anybody who knows anything about you knows all about your work ethic and the time you're putting in. So when you mention those Hall of Famers, let me ask you this. How gratifying is it that they recognize that you're putting the work in and you're spacing the floor accordingly? How gratifying is it that they find you and they trust you to take big shots and knock them down in big situations? I mean, it means a lot, honestly. I think as soon as I, as soon as I got here, maybe like after the first couple training camp practices my rookie year first couple of games um joel i feel like joel believed in me he told me he did he just told me to go out there and be aggressive and his trust in and myself has kind of just grown um tremendously over the time of, of my time being here and then james coming along you know people were saying not to be worried he told me as soon as he as soon as he landed in philly that uh he didn't want anything to change he didn't want me to get less aggressive he wanted me to be more aggressive and uh, he told me he's gonna help me out a lot I feel like he has helped me out a lot, just on and off the court. Is uh, he's taught me so many lessons. He's been through a lot. Uh, he came off the bench early in the stage. Now he's a you know Hall of Famer. He plays in former MVP. So I just really appreciate those guys, man. And I think you know they're the head of our snake of uh, this team, and we're gonna have to keep going out there and falling behind them. And you know, with the, they'll put all the ducks in a row, and we'll go out there and compete the hardest. Tyrese Maxey joining us. So I mentioned your top five in the league in shooting the three ball, and this was after shooting just over 30% from beyond the arc two years ago. But there's more to it than that. Like, for instance, Doc Rivers says he knew, he always knew you could shoot it, but even Doc admitted he was a little bit surprised to see how good you've gotten at shooting the three ball as quickly as you have. Are you at all surprised, or did you always know that you could shoot from long distance and just needed the opportunity? Well, you know, I, I appreciate him for saying that, but it's like I shot the ball well, like in high school, which I know that's two different—I mean, two totally different uh, aspects of the game, two totally different professions. But um, I shot the ball really well in high school, so I've always been able to shoot the three. College, um, I shot a lot of bad shots. I feel like um, late clock shots uh, that uh, made my percentage go lower. And then my rookie year, uh, you know, I was in and out the lineup as far as uh, playing time, so it's hard to get a rhythm. But my my first my first year starting and playing like. Uh, the entire season and playing big-time minutes, I feel like I shot the ball well. And then knowing that I'm going to have to play with guys like Joel Embiid and uh, James Harden and Tobias Harris, it's going to be a lot of catch shoot opportunities because teams don't want to let those guys play one-on-one. They're always going to help off them. So that's just a main focus that I go into every single workout, especially in the summer, is shooting, 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 catching, shooting, because as long as you can shoot and make threes, you're always on the court. I love it. Tyrese Maxey, I love that. You're so right. You know, you mentioned these guys. These are all big-time, big-time players. Joel, who I'd argue is the MVP. James Harden, Hall of Famer. You mentioned Tobias Harris. Let me ask you about somebody else, a guy that I've got immense respect for, P.J. Tucker. I mean, dude is so tough. He is so physical. He's clutch. I'm curious, what was it like to go up against him as an opponent, and then now what's it like to have him on your side? Yeah, I told him the other day, once we started playoff practice, man, it's good to have him on our side this time. I couldn't stand him last year around this time. Um, he's out there just running around and playing hard defense and tipping the ball out, getting extra possessions. I told him it's like he had like eight points, five rebounds in the game versus us last year, but it felt like he had 25 points and 15 rebounds. Like every time he got the rebound, every time he hit a corner three, it was just a, a huge moment in the game. And uh, he's known for that. And uh, he's, a, he's a seasoned vet, and uh, we can appreciate him. And I'm glad he's on our side this time around. Hey, Tyrese, let me ask you something. Like, I know that you're all about what's in front of you and you're going to be where your feet are, but your energy is great. You sound like you're in an incredible headspace. I bring this up because you are eligible for a contract extension this summer. This is where you tell me that uh, that's not what I'm thinking about. I get that, although I think everybody would have it in the back of their mind. But let me ask you this. Philadelphia is an incredible sports town, but 
It's a tough town, an intense town. It's not for everybody. I'm curious, what has the Philly experience been like for you? What's it like for you to live and work in such a rabid sports town? It's been great. And uh, it's funny because I came from Lexington, Kentucky, and everybody said that was the biggest one. But uh, this right here, Philadelphia, it's, it's on another level, man. I love my uh, Big Blue Nation folks, but this the, the Sixers, uh, the Flyers, the Phillies, uh, the Eagles, the Union, I mean, they really rally behind their team sports, and they support, man. It's, um, it's big time here. And, yeah, it's tough love, but it's, uh, they know what they're talking about. They're always going to be behind you, and if they love you, they love you. And I just appreciate them. They're always going to show up for us and uh, scream as loud as they can and uh, you know, try to go out there and give them does every time they step on the floor. All right, so really quickly before you go, you mentioned the BBN. I love the BBN. I love Lexington. I've spent time there. I've had some business there. It's Lex Vegas, yo. It's a great, great place when you're winning, but it's tough when you're not, and then you're under the microscope. You're in this fishbowl. I'm curious. You were there for a year. What about the time that you spent with John Calipari? He and Cal knows better than anybody else what it's like to live and work in that fishbowl. And, you know, when things are great, they're great. And then when they're not, they're coming for you. What was that year like for you with Cal? And what were your biggest takes away, takeaways from playing with him or for him? Oh, I was the best. I was literally just telling somebody about how, you know, he asked me if, if, it was, uh, eligible, if I was eligible to go to the NBA right after high school, would I have done it? And I told him I don't think so because Cal, Kentucky, um, Lexington, and just college itself was, was a big part of my life. Um, Cal really taught me how to build my own confidence. Uh, he was extremely tough on me, he, you know, screaming at me every single day. And I appreciate him for that because now nothing can phase me when I get to the league. People can scream at me. People can do whatever they want to do, say whatever they want to say. Um, also, at Kentucky, you're under the media every single night. You're under the limelight. And uh, it just gets you ready for the NBA because, you, you know, you're on TV all the time. And everybody's always talking about Kentucky, especially when you're ranked top five, top ten. And you have all these super freshmen and McDonald's All-Americans. So, like, you're right, man. You're under that fishbowl. You're under that limelight. And uh, you have to go out there and perform your best uh, under pressure. And I, and that's one reason why I really picked Kentucky. I knew Coach Cal would prepare me for these, uh, for these moments right now. And you are. So, last thought, when you look at the Nets on film, what do you see? In other words, what do they do best, and what are you looking to take away? Yeah, you know, they have size. They can switch one through five. They have a lot of defenders. Um, they have a lot of guys who getting the paint credit for each other, and uh, they're big-time three-point shooters right now as they reform their team at the trade deadline. So uh, you got to go out there and attack them, be extremely solid, um, you know, cause mismatch problems for them, play with speed, play with pace, uh, try to get out, get stops and get out and run. Um, you know, they're, they're limp. They get smaller when we run, and, uh, you know, just try to contain the ball and compete our hardest. Makes sense. Play 76ers ball. He's a guard for Philadelphia. In his third year, he was fifth in the league in shooting the three ball. Averaged a career-high 20.3 points per game. Tyrese Maxey. Tyrese, appreciate you so much. What a fun conversation, man. Thanks so much for doing that. Good luck. All right. Thank you. all appreciate y'all having me. Appreciate you very much, dude. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. 
quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper or What's Your Beef. Stop me if you've heard this one before. With the Pelican season on the line in this gimmicky little playing tourney, their star, their franchise, one Zion Williamson is not going to be in their lineup. No, sir. For a second consecutive season, Zion is going to be in streets watching his guys try to extend their season. And the rest of us are still trying to figure out exactly what the hell is going on with this dude. Zion has not played since January 2nd because of a hamstring injury. GM David Griffin came out earlier this week and said that he has not been re-injured and has, quote, never even reported soreness. Is that a problem? Management saying he has not re-injured it, nor has he even reported soreness. But Zion's saying, I'm not ready. So what's the problem? In the absence of Zion saying anything, we're left to speculate. And it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse because he's not addressing it. And now he has. He finally gets in front of some mics and some cameras so he can try and clarify what's going on. But instead of clarifying anything, he made everything so much worse. I pretty much do everything, but it's just a matter of the level that I was playing at before uh, my hamstring, and I'm just I'm just a competitor. I don't want to go out there and be in my own head and affect the team when I can just be on the sideline supporting them more. Because you know, as I know myself, uh, if I was to go out there, uh, I would be in my head. I would be in my head. Like, I would make. I would hesitate on certain moves and. That could affect the game. But he made the point that he's physically fine. He said as much. I can pretty much do everything, but... I can pretty much do everything. I can pretty much do everything. I can pretty much do everything. But, but, I don't want to be in my own head. But I can pretty much do everything. I can pretty much do everything. But I'm not confident enough to play. I can pretty much do everything, and don't get this twisted. I am a competitor now. I can pretty much do everything, and I am a competitor. I just think that I can help the team more in my street clothes on the bench than being on the court with my teammates. I can do everything now. I just don't have confidence or don't want to, or I don't think that I'll be the guy that you all want me to be. But I can do everything. I can pretty much do everything. But Uh-oh, Pelicans fan. I don't think that's what you want to hear from your dude. I don't think that clarified anything, nor do I think that calmed anything down. It actually did the opposite. It essentially started a brand new five-alarm fire and sent social media into a total meltdown. I don't really want to play any more of this dude fanning and pouring gasoline and lighter fluid all over the flames 
but just to give him one more chance to clarify. Maybe maybe I didn't hear that correctly. Maybe I don't understand where he was going with that. Maybe it's me. So I want to hear that one more time just to make sure I'm not the one that's missing something. I love this game. I say it over and over. Um, for those people that think that I just want to sit on the sideline just to sit over there, I, I don't know why people think that. But uh, nah, it sucks. I just I just want to be playing basketball for real. It's tough. It's tough. I can't lie. It's it's tough. I, from my perspective, I just want to play basketball. I want to hoop. I want to do play the game I love. But the reality of it is, whether I check my phone, whether I'm just watching TV, no matter what it is, I can't really escape. You know what the what the world thinks. What people, what people's opinions are. So, uh, nah, it's, it's frustrating. All right, so, dude, I can tell that you're not in the best place and that you're having trouble figuring out why this is. Like, why would anybody question me? Essentially, that's what he's saying, right? It's hard for me to watch TV, pick up my phone, and see all these people going in. All these people going in on me and questioning me. Don't you know how much I love this game? Don't you know how competitive I am? I mean, Zion, I get it. I, I think you do love the game. And I think that you do compete. But you could see whereby people would question you if you just said you're physically fine and you want to be there, but you're not. That's why they're questioning you. That's why when you go to your phone, people are upset. I think I can help you, though. If what you said is true and that you are physically fine, and you just said you can do anything, I can pretty much do everything, but it's- I can pretty much do everything. All right, so write this down. One, you can pretty much do everything. Two, you love playing basketball. Three, you're a competitor. All right, go play basketball because physically you can pretty much do everything. You love the game and you're a competitor. So you know what you do? Go play. Boom! Solved, and you're welcome. Now, I want to be extraordinarily clear on this. Mental health is really important. It's very much an issue. And I hate that this dude might be going through something right now because we're all going through something right now. I mean, I get that. I get that he's been through a lot already. I get that it probably does suck for him to reach for his phone and see what people are saying about him. But you haven't played since January 2nd, and you just said, I can pretty much do everything. And I'm competitive. And I want to be there. And I'm confident. But you're not there. This is why people think you, quote, just want to sit on the sideline. For those people that think that I just want to sit on the sideline. Because you just said, I can pretty much do everything. But you don't want to play. You're deciding not to play, which is why people think you want to sit. It's not that complicated. Same thing goes for social media. You've got tens of millions of fans on social media. Every single one of them wants to see you play. You just said that you can pretty much do everything, but then you're not playing. So, yet you're going to hear it. You're going to hear it on TV, on social, and everywhere else. Especially, and, and management said... He didn't re-injure it. He hasn't complained of any pain. This is why people are talking, Zion. They're confused. 
So it seems to me the solution is pretty simple. Suit up. Go get some buckets. It's not going to be perfect. We know you haven't played. Nobody expected to be perfect. But I would imagine that if physically you're fine and you love the game as much as you say you do, and you're as competitive as you say you are, I guarantee your teammates would rather have you out there than in street clothes. That logic only works for Ben Simmons. It only works for Ben because Ben makes it so much worse when he is out there, which is kind of my point, right? Like, I don't, it's really hard. I want to be careful about this because Ben Simmons is in his own world. He's in his own class. He's on his own planet, Ben. So I don't want to say that Zion is that guy. You're not on that road, but you're on a road where you don't want to be. (laughs) And you don't want to be on the same planet as Ben right now. Listen, I'm not saying that Zion's lying when he says he loves the game and wants to be out there. I'm not telling you that he's not committed because we've seen what his commitment looks like. We see what he did last offseason. Remember with that incredible body transformation? Well, you were all busy glossing this guy, Air Gumbo, or the Pogo Penguin, or Zion National Pork, which, by the way, is the best one ever. Zion National Pork or the big diabetic, or the chunk of dunk, or the po'boy posterizer. The guy actually put the time in. He put the work in on his moneymaker, and he was shredded. He was shredded. So I know he's not afraid of work. But I also can't deny that as of today, Anthony Street Clothes Davis's body is more reliable than Zion's. Look at the numbers. This guy's played 114 regular season games in his career out of a possible 234. He's missed more than half his games. So I will agree with him on one point. This bleep does suck. He's right. It does suck for Zion. But I think it sucks even more for his fans and for the team and for the sport. Pelican fan, I feel for you. I do. You've had two of the better prospects to enter the NBA since LeCap in street clothes and Zion. And what do you have to show for it? A whole hell of a lot of injury reports. And the one guy who forced his way out. So once again tonight, you've got a big game, a huge game. And once again tonight, you have no Zion. And even more confusing is Zion saying, I can pretty much do everything. I can pretty much do everything, but it's just a matter of the level. So what are you saying? I can do everything, but I don't want to be out there being blamed if we don't win, or I don't want to be out there not being able to do the things that I normally do. I'm trying to understand, dude. If you're physically incapable and you're not ready, I get that. But you're saying you can pretty much do everything. So why are you not out there? Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. Mike Budenholzer is my guest. Mike, it is great to have you back. How are you, Mike? 
I'm doing great, Jim. How are you doing? Good, good. Good to visit with you. Thanks for making time. You win those 58 games. It's your best record since your first year in Milwaukee when the Bucks won 60. Overall, what were your biggest takeaways from the regular season? Yeah, I think our team, you know, has grown and um, the continuity that we have, um, you know, kind of our core group, you know, with, with Drew and Chris and Giannis and Brooke and then, you know, everybody around those guys. Um, you know, to be honest, Drew and, Drew and Brooke probably had their best years uh, in the five years. You know, Drew, you know, I guess it's his third. But anyways, I think those guys are playing high level. Chris getting back and healthy. We know what Chris Middleton can do. And, and you know, never take Giannis for granted. You know, we feel like he's the MVP and plays like an MVP every night. And when you have, you know, a player like Giannis and then you put some core guys around him and then all the other guys that, you know, that fit into our, to our mix, um, you know, I think we've grown. I think we feel like we're in a good place to compete uh, with all the teams in the league, all, all the right. best teams. All right, so, Mike, there's a lot of really good stuff in that answer that I can respond to, but why don't we start with Giannis and the fact that you believe that he's in the is the MVP. Thing is, you know, Mike, the MVP race is probably closer this year than ever before. I know you think he's the guy, but what's your argument for him being the guy over the other two? Well, I mean, the you know, the most simplistic, like, basic, basic, like, common, like best player, best team. You know, I think a lot of years, you know, I think the MVP has gone to that guy. And for good reason. You know, I think to for a team to establish itself as the top seed in the whole league, to have every game seven at home, to open every series at home, that's that's what everybody wants. It's You know, um, nobody would not take that. And uh, he's led us to that place. Um, he's clearly our guy. And what he does defensively, how he changes the game with block shots and being able to guard every position and, um, you know, his length, it's just, you know, two-way player that's just unbelievable. And offensively, he does everything. You know, he's, He's kind of our point guard. He's our power forward. He's our center. You know, he does everything. Um, so I just think, you know, he's just this incomplete, you know, incredible player that, um, you know, I just hope, you know, the world or, or nobody ever gets tired of his greatness because it's, you know, what we see from him every night is just, I, I think it's never seen before, never been seen before. And um, he's just incredibly unique and, and gifted and special. And, that's what MVPs are. And, and the other guys are great, too. They're like, it, it, you know, it's like, you know, ton of respect for all of them. It, it's, it's the league's in a good place. A lot of great players. And, um, you know, it, it's a great challenge. And, and it's fun to be a part of this league. It's a really strong argument for your guy, Mike. A really strong argument. You mentioned Chris Middleton. You know, he's obviously trying to work through some things. He's had that knee injury. People who know, know. But for those who don't know, how critical is he to everything your team does? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's such a trust level with Chris, um, you know, particularly Chris and Giannis, you know, so much NBA basketball becomes two-man game and, um, you know, guys that are just, you know, really, really hard to guard and that, that can read and figure out the defense. And, you know, he becomes, uh, you know, like a big point forward and the ball's in his hands a lot when the game's on the line. He makes great decisions. He can make big shots. You know, he's a, he's a great shooter. He makes tough shots, but he, his his playmaking and his ability to read the defense and read the court. Um, I just, you know, I do think people have kind of come around on the shot making and understand how special he is. But I think the playmaking, you know, there's still probably people that don't understand like 
you know, it's what elite level point guards do. It's what Drew Holiday does every night. It's what, you know, the great point guards. When you have a guy that's a six eight small forward, um, that can kinda that does the same thing, that makes the same reads, um, and then has the shot making on top of it. He's just special. Um, he's a big part of what we do. So as a quick follow-up to that, Mike, given how important he is, given how special he is, reportedly he was limited to some individual work yesterday, some weight room work. Is he going to try and step it up tomorrow? And then what would your expectations be for Chris in the first round? Yeah, we're, we're hopeful that he'll practice tomorrow. You know, he did some more work today. Um, you know, we'll see how he responds to the work from today. Come in. Um, you know, as a team, we're going to have a good practice. It's, it's, you know, we've kind of slotted it where we get good reps and good work. And tomorrow's a work day for that, for the team. And, um, you know, it, it's, you know, but we're, we're not going to do anything that's not wise and not healthy and good for him. But um, the plan is certainly for him to, to practice and, and get the reps and, and be ready to go on Sunday. Um, but, you know, he's, he's got more work to do. We got to see how he's feeling, how it, how it goes, but, you know, that's certainly the hope and, and what we expect to happen. Mike Budenholzer joining me for a few more moments. Mike, I talked to Tyrese Maxey earlier, and we were talking about the Sixers. You know, I look around the East. It seems like in recent years, and you know, because you spent a lot of time in the Western Conference, in recent yeah. years, you'd come to this time of the year and everybody would talk about, man, the West is rugged. Man, the West is deep. What about the East? As you look around that <laughs> conference, can you make an argument that this is as deep as you've seen that conference? I definitely, you know, I mean, it's it's interesting because now it's ten years for me in the East, which mm. is that's hard to believe. After feeling like a million years in the West, like I'm like, oh my gosh, I've, maybe I finally flipped, uh, you know, after ten after your ten year anniversary. And I do think I think it's the best that the East has been. The quality, you know, the playing games last night and and uh, you know again tonight and then Friday, the quality of those guys at seven and eight and and what Cleveland's done with their roster you know, relatively young, but really, really good. And the season the Knicks are having and, um, you know, it, it's just, you know, Brooklyn, Miami, you know, Atlanta, Toronto, Chicago. I, I, I really think that the East is, is really strong. And, and, you know, the, the three teams at the top that everybody talks about with, with uh, Philly and Boston and us, it's, you know, I, I think there's, you know, a ton of respect for the East and the idea that, you know, it's just, you know, the West is is, uh, is the only conference. I, I don't hear that or feel that and obviously don't think that's the case anymore. No, not ever, at all. I don't know if it ever was, but it's certainly not now. Did, did it not feel like it was when you were with San Antonio? I mean, there were a few years, you know, and, and I, I think anybody that was, you know, really honest, you know, that, that, this, that it was just so stacked. And, you know, the Dallas teams and the Phoenix teams and the Spurs and, um, you know, those teams coming out, um, you know, they're, they're, you know, we're going back away. So our listeners, hope, but you know, it, it was, you know, the East maybe had a little bit of a down time there for a few years, but uh, it didn't last long. And, and, you know, there's always things that happen, you know, once you get on the court and you start competing, um, you know, teams find a way to, to win and compete. So, but, yeah, those were some good years for the West, for sure. So, Mike, we'll find out. Leave me with this thought. We'll find out soon enough because they don't play it on paper. They play it on the floor. You mentioned the top three in the East, and then below the top three, there's some depth. There's some dangerous teams. The Cavaliers are nice. The Knicks are nice. You look awfully good on paper. You look awfully good on the floor. I know health is an issue, but you are the top seed. Are you not the ones to beat? Uh, we just we like to think of ourselves as one of the teams that's in that, in that group. You want to be knocking on the door. 
I don't think anybody's the team to be, you know, we feel like we match up and can play and compete with anybody. But if you start thinking you're that team or, you know, you have that mindset, I, I don't think that's the right approach. You, you got to be hungry and humble and respectful and, and be ready for, you know, you got to be your best. Um, you know, and if, if we're at our best, you know, we'll take we'll take that against anybody. He is the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. He's in his fifth year in that capacity. Two-time NBA coach of the year, and the Bucks are laying out, waiting to find out who they're going to play. And, Mike, I really appreciate it. I know it's a big week for you and for the team. Thanks for making time for us, as always. It's always great to have you on the show, Mike. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jim. Take care. Thank you. You too, Mike. Appreciate you. Mike Budenholzer, head coach of the Bucks. Good night now!